Talking Transport, the podcast from the Transport Network. Well, the ITS World Congress Talking Transport podcast may be a memory, but there was so much material I gathered. Here's a quick bonus podcast for you with material in Singapore, sponsored by AGD Systems, Coda Wireless, Here Technologies, Unoptic, PTV Group, Swaco and WSP. Coming up in today's edition. The full summary of the closing ceremony from Eric Sampson. How traffic of all types, some of it via vehicles with conventional drivers, some of it driverless, some on two wheels, some of it on legs, can be better managed in small towns, large cities, also whole regions. Autonomous business cases. We have always been in the position of enabling this research and enabling the commercialization of these products. We've been profitable since day one. Safety from data. To provide eroded network insights to the local government and road controlling authorities for things such as estimating travel time, looking at congestion hotspots, or looking at areas of risk on the network. And a first-timer's view. I think one of the fab things is I've made a few connections now and there's a couple of projects that I'm working on when I get home. And there's some people that I've met here that we've got connected now. I'm going to be able to share some information. On this bonus, Talking Transport. Talking Transport. Sponsored by AGD Systems, Coda Wireless, here, Yenoptic, PTV Group, Swaco and WSP. So as I say, I recorded so much good stuff in Singapore that I couldn't fit in. Here's a bonus podcast of material, although even this isn't enough. So listen out for longer interviews with here, Blackberry, Dutch experts and a Hall of Famer to come in a few days' time, plus a session I moderated for PTV Group and one from the opening of here's new Singapore office. So I'll upload all of it to the Smart Highways website in the next few days. But let's get on to today's podcast. And after hearing from him with his session recommendations in every podcast, here's Professor Eric Sampson, Chief Rapporteur, giving his summary at the closing ceremony. The Congress theme was smart mobility empowering cities and the sessions, the exhibition, the demonstrations illustrated this in many different ways. We've had exciting contributions from large global organizations and from some tiny startups that didn't exist a year ago. We've heard how it's all coming together, how traffic of all types, some of it vehicles with conventional drivers, some of it driverless, some on two wheels, some of it on legs, can be better managed in small towns, large cities, also whole regions, thereby helping both freight and passenger users. I'll review some of the key activities under the eight Congress topics, but I can only do this because of the marvellous support I get from my universal eyes and ears, the Congress Rapporteur team. My profound thanks to them all. You'll see their names in the longer report on the Congress that we aim to issue in early December. Oh, and by the way, 60% of the team is not male. And in the same spirit of diversity, can I record that Singapore staged the first ever Congress Executive Session on Women in ITS. The Intelligent Connected and Automated Vehicles topic was again the largest of a Congress, based on the numbers of papers and sessions. About a third of the papers were connectivity, Uh, Use cases for connected and automated vehicles, a third vehicle automation, almost half. Discussions address the technical challenges of automated vehicles, including perception sensors, and also, much more than in previous years, the artificial intelligence approaches and solutions. 
It's clear that highly automated driving is moving closer to actual deployment. It's particularly so for public transport and mobility services in dedicated or partly separated areas, where there's movement from proof of service to proof of business. So when might we have driverless or self-driving cars on open roads? Some argued in a few years, others were more hesitant, especially because of largely unsolved road safety issues. Capabilities that are desirable for human drivers are essential for machines. But there's a growing confidence that in specific areas of vehicle control, specific closed environments, elements of autonomy will soon be available commercially. And there's confidence too that the more complex uses of the technology leading to true level three and level four is viable. Crowdsourcing and big data analytics had a strong focus on using large data sets to improve operations in control centers. More use is being made of artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning and data fusion to monitor how people travel and why and predict how congestion will impact the network before it actually does. Using data from road management and public transport systems is taking traffic demand and management to a new level. Big data is being used to quantify demand, travel speeds and recovery time. New traffic policies can be deployed that coordinate motorway and arterial roads and so reduce congestion by managing them jointly rather than independently. Transport centres around the world have adopted machine learning techniques to analyse data and are using data fusion, real-time simulation modelling for traffic congestion management. We are moving quickly to data-driven decision-making, a complement to evidence-based policy-making. But while data may be the new oil, we're not quite ready yet with the new refineries. Topic three, sustainable smart cities. Now, smart cities have always featured prominently in Congresses, but 2019 emphasized the sustainable bit. Sustainability is of particular interest now as deployment of the supporting technologies has only been accomplished in the last few years. The focus here was much less on travellers' needs and how close a city may be to becoming smart. Rather, it's been the need for collaboration between the different city departments. Around the world, transport operators are under pressure to meet the changing needs of society, such as commuter demand for real-time travel information, faster incident management, multimodal solutions. Consequently, a common interest in papers was traffic management tools, traffic control and operations, and integrating electric vehicles into overall systems. And the integration of traffic management and mobility schemes, such as Mobility as a Service, MASS, was discussed for the first time in detail at a World Congress. Similar, uh, smaller deployment projects are happening everywhere, with some exciting new ideas being developed and implemented quite rapidly. But the bigger, more ambitious projects with potentially larger impacts are moving much more slowly. They're often constrained by excessive concerns on regulation, integration, competition, and collaboration. And none of these is a technology issue. Now, putting people and freight in the same stream of multimodal transport of people and goods might seem a bit odd, as there are fundamental differences in their strategies. Multimodal freight represents a contractual arrangement 
where usually one agency is responsible for the end-to-end -end journey of the goods by land, sea or air. Nobody is responsible for the multimodal end-to-end -end passenger journey, but papers discussed quality of service, contracted responsibility and universal services, such as those that are emerging in the mass initiatives, and it's a similar model to the freight operation. And while we await the results of many trials, a discussion of mass sustainability is developing quite nicely. The two sectors are clearly converging. Multimodal transport of people used to reflect interchanges between modes of public transport. But with the explosion of first and last mile solutions for people and goods, and improved data and technology for routing systems, public transport is now just one part of a much bigger transport system. For both sectors, the relationships between flow, real-time information and curb space management need to be developed quite quickly, given the increase in these small and nimble vehicles carrying passengers and completing urban deliveries. There's been an interesting shift in the safety for drivers and vulnerable users topic. The Copenhagen emphasis was on getting the expected safety gains from highly automated vehicles. Here, that seems to be taken as given. And the key issues have been how to test the technologies safely, including testing in live environments, and what else is required beyond technology to move towards vision zero. The sessions and the papers stress the importance of studying the transport safety system as a whole. Sensors, data and data analytics, AI networks, service operations, incident management, especially weather response, and the provision of information to enable appropriate and timely intervention. Connected system of sensors, cars, cycles, traffic signals, intersections, pedestrians, even footpaths, allows us to protect all road users, not just those in vehicles. Policies, standards, harmonization topic saw some new thinking, especially on designing policies. Policy innovations included the use of social credits to nudge transport behavior and processes for co-funding innovation. But some new policy thinking is needed for the human monitoring of vehicles, for the safety testing, for the legal liability frameworks and the insurance needs. Smarter enforcement using technology enables a shift from manual inspection methods to targeted enforcement. There was agreement on the need for wider thinking on city regulation in a scenario of seamless mobility. Cities could look radically different with robo-taxis, autonomous shuttles, advanced rail signaling and predictive maintenance. Through effective regulation and incentives, cities could, for example, encourage the use of shared automated vehicles to achieve goals of sustainability, convenience, affordability, accessibility, and efficiency. Topic seven, innovative pricing, travel demand management. Now, the link between road user charging and demand is well established. The emphasis in the sessions was on how to enhance the infrastructure to enable free flow charging and much faster transactions, and the effectiveness of various forms of use-based congestion pricing. Apart from the usual point-based or distance-based approaches, other scenarios presented included a form of time-based 
to address illegal parking or circulation issues. Two other prominent topics, parking as a demand management measure where the authorities and industries increasingly recognise the importance of user response to the design of systems and using incentives to nudge behaviour and manage demand. I think this latter one is going to be a hot topic for a number of Congresses to come. With the rapid development and increasing dependency on real-time connectivity, the threats to transport in the cybersecurity and privacy area are real and require constant vigilance and mitigation. The most common issue here was identifying then overcoming hacking and malicious attacks with examples from road, from rail and from maritime. Current work is focusing on anticipating attacks by human actors. But as artificial intelligence and deep learning techniques become more advanced, digital intelligence may develop so that hacking using deep learning becomes a reality. We may need to set computers against computers. So, a marvellous week. One speaker in one session put it rather nicely. The future is here, it's just that it's unevenly distributed. Experts from across the globe have described how new services are benefiting cities, but also disrupting them. We've heard about balancing multiple objectives, regulating the new technologies, especially micro-mobility, moving traffic from private vehicles to public transport because of limited physical space, and coping with ageing. Pressure for low-carbon sustainable solutions and supporting a higher quality of life for a connected community. Very much Singapore's issues. And we've seen and we've ridden in the latest developments in sustainable mobility. We had the innovative eight-day development experience for the young professionals. Around 30 showcases, demonstrations and technical tours that range from the large vehicles, such as the electric autonomous bus, to the little individual pods. And it wasn't all transport by road. We had examples from air, from rail, and from sea, such as the automated port crane operations. We're further down the road than we were last year in Copenhagen. The road to a mobility world that's accessible, affordable, has zero fatalities, zero emissions, and is seamless across continents. But we're not there yet. There are some difficult problems still to be solved, and many activities such as designing mass frameworks, testing automated vehicles, deploying connected ITS services, cross frontiers. So <clears throat> they need to have more done globally by the key bodies working together, <clears throat> as with the three-region mass initiative, not nationally, not regionally, and most certainly not locally. But as Minister Kors said when he urged us in his opening speech, do it internationally. Let me remind you of words by Albert Einstein. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. If we all work together outside the silos, we will grasp our opportunities. Join me next year in Lisbon and Los Angeles for the next Progress Reports. 
Professor Eric Sampson has been to every World Congress and always provides a great insight. And congratulations to him for summarising hundreds of sessions across five days into just 13 minutes. From the ITS World Congress in Singapore, this is Talking Transport with Paul Hutton. When you talk to different companies about uh, what they do, some of them will say to you, oh, I do autonomous stuff. And uh, I've actually come across a company that's working with Coda Wireless called Autonomous Stuff. And so Robert Hambrick from the company, uh, he's based just south of Chicago, joins me. So what sort of autonomous stuff does Autonomous Stuff do? So Autonomous Stuff was was founded about 10 years ago in 2010. And our mission has always been to enable, accelerate, and deploy the future of autonomous driving. And so what, how are you doing on this sort of journey so far? So far it's been great. We've enabled thousands of customers worldwide and we have amazing partners like Coda Wireless that are helping us continue to deploy the future of autonomous driving. Okay, so Paul Alexandru, CTO of Coda Wireless, uh, you provide, I presume, the connectivity part of the solution. Right, so bringing connectivity to autonomous vehicles, or CAVs, is something that we're very interested in. Our background is in connected vehicle, so it's a natural progression for us to go that way. And it ends up being, for us, really about sensor fusion between the vehicles, thanks to the connectivity. Uh, The link between autonomous stuff really came about by us uh, acquiring a couple of platforms from them, which have been great for us over the last couple of years. But a lot of features have been built out through those. So, Robert, where do you sit in the whole of the uh, ecosystem of autonomous vehicles? Are you building your own vehicles or do you put kit on other people's? Uh, it's a little bit of everything. So I always like to say that we meet our customers where they are. So if a customer just wants a single piece of technology to en- enable their research, like a radar or a camera or a piece of go-to wireless equipment, that's fine. Or we can build an entire automated driving vehicle platform that can then therefore further jumpstart them towards their goal. And where, what's the timing involved in this between you guys? Where are we in terms of where you are on uh, uh, autonomy levels and actually delivering services to the traveling public? Um, so we have been partners for or acquaintances for a really long time, actually. Now, we're just now signing an agreement to work closer together so we can therefore enable solutions for our customers. So that's starting now. And in fact, the, we delivered a platform a couple of years ago, I believe. Um, so we have been working together now for a couple of years, and uh, we will continue to do that. Working together here at the uh, World Congress, who are you speaking to? Who we, well, Coda here in, in terms of our ITS solutions or connected vehicle solutions, we, we talk to our partners, our suppliers and our customers. They're all here. That's why we're here. Yeah, so one of the things that we're, we're talking to our customers here about is a new connected vehicle protocol called Collective Perception. And Collective Perception is about the sharing of the information that one car can see with other vehicles around it. And when they're autonomous, what that means is that the autonomous vehicles have a better perception horizon thanks to that connectivity by reusing the sensors in other vehicles or in infrastructure pieces such as a smart intersection. Does that have an ADAS application before you even get to autonomous driving? Absolutely, sure. So if there's a smart intersection that can see down a road and it can perceive a bicyclist or a pedestrian that's about to enter that intersection in a, in a bad way, that can be shared thanks to connected vehicle technology to even a conventional passenger vehicle be it autonomous or otherwise. Automated driving, I believe, is one of the most difficult engineering challenges of human mankind. And uh, so it takes a collaboration of a lot of different partners, a collaboration of a lot of different data from the infrastructure to the vehicles, the sensors on the vehicles, to 
through data coming in from the cloud. Um, so what, what we're doing today is kind of the beginning of that collaboration of all these different vendors, all this different data, all these different partners that have to come together to make this a safe future of mobility. Have you got a business model? Because I talk to a lot of people who have some great technology, they know where they're going as far as the technology is concerned, but I ask them, how are you going to pay for this in the end? Is the consumer going to be able to afford it? Is the market going to be able to afford it? And they're kind of not hedging their bets, but optimistic without necessarily ever having really thought about that because they're so busy doing the cool stuff of the inventing. So have you thought about how the business case is going to work in the future? Yeah, absolutely. So since we founded the company, um, Autonomous Stuff, we have always been in the position of enabling this research and enabling the commercialization of these products. So we've been profitable since day one. Um, so we're going to continue to think about those business plans. And we're not going to make partnerships unless there is a reason to have those partnerships. So that's why we're connected with Coda. We, we know that there is a future for this, and we know that customers need this type of solution. This is a company worth talking to when you hear the words profitable from day one. That's Bobby Hambrick, who's founder and CEO of Autonomous Stuff, with uh, one of our sponsors this week, Paul Alexander, who's CTO of our friends at Coda Wireless in Adelaide in Australia. Gentlemen, thank you for talking to us on Talking Transport. Talking Transport, brought to you thanks to WSP, Swaco, PTV Group, Yanoptic, here... Coda Wireless and AGD Systems. If you're a devotee of Talking Transport podcasts, you might remember a fascinating conversation I had back in Eindhoven at the ITS European Congress in the uh, Northern Hemisphere summer when uh, I spoke to Gareth Robbins from E-Roads in New Zealand about a way to use uh, data to predict where traffic accidents will happen before they happen so you can mitigate against them and actually make the roads safer. I've bumped into Gareth again here in Singapore. Um, Gareth, I've given my best shot at explaining it but uh, before we go on just just give a brief summary of exactly what you do. Um, So what we're doing at E-Road is we're taking the data that we generate from the devices that that we produce and using that in an aggregated and anonymized way to provide eroded network insights to the local government and road controlling authorities for things such as estimating travel time, looking at congestion hotspots, or looking at areas of risk on the network. So taking a step back, you've got some sort of GPS device in every single vehicle that is primarily there to their distance travel, time of day, so you can do road user charging, but you're now finding extra benefits from having that data in order to add more safety and no doubt congestion reduction on the roads. Absolutely. I mean, in New Zealand, we have a voluntary system for road user charges, so it's not in every system at the, every vehicle at the moment but it is in a statistically significant sample now so that in pretty much every road in the country we're able to uh, generate these insights and provide much faster feedback mechanism for these road controlling authorities and the, and the use cases of this data are, are very varied everything from improved operational efficiency of the road to reducing crashes as you say so you've got reduced crashes operational efficiency means cleaner air so those are two big ticks of things that we need to do. Uh, Road user charging means that you can help to nudge behaviour onto other modes of transport or more more load levelling on the roads so people will go on the quieter roads rather than all sit in the same traffic or maybe then start to car share etc etc. Explain the voluntary side because may 
be authorities who are scared of the political fallout of introducing some sort of road user charging might actually think, well, if there's a voluntary system, then we could sort of start going down that route if people choose to do it because they see a benefit. Well, I think that the benefit to the end user is really important to demonstrate. And, and in New Zealand, there are uh, organisations that have seen the immediate benefit of uh, reducing the capital expenditure on road user charges because it's a prepay system. So they have to buy less increments ahead of time. Um, but also measuring the off-road refunds that can, ach- can be achieved in industries like forestry. And then what you see is the other downstream benefits where other vehicles inside of an organisation may not benefit from the ruck side of things, but they do benefit from all of the value-added services. So all of the traditional fleet management tools, driver behaviour tools and what have you. And through adding all of these things, we've seen a huge reduction in speed right across the country, uh, somewhere in the order of 34% right across our nearly 65, 70,000 vehicles, uh, which, which is quite dramatic. And of course, those, those vehicles, those customers that are following the e-road products and services are also uh, almost acting as pace cars for the vehicles behind and setting a, setting a standard for everybody else on the road. Explain so therefore why if I lived in Auckland I would want to sign up to uh, the e-road system to, to road user charging. Where's the benefit for me? So I think it's, it's understanding that you've got a, a simple, easy-to-use device that is going to track uh, where you go and provide you with all of those downstream benefits. For the, the large organisations, having that single-point system to manage all of these different complex uh, trucking uh, solutions in one place is, is really, really beneficial. Uh, and we put a lot of effort into making that you know, easy-to-use and intuitive. And, and just the simple act of knowing where people are and having that chain of responsibility... So in New Zealand, there's a lot of terrain around the country that's quite difficult to navigate. And New Zealand truck drivers are you know, very good at navigating those areas, but it's always nice to have that person watching you and, and having your back, I, I suspect. And here we are in the World Congress. You've been in Eindhoven. You're clearly pushing this solution uh, everywhere on the planet. Well, I think we're just demonstrating the benefits. I, I wouldn't say we're, we're, we're pushing it. I think... New Zealand's a leader in in what we do in many aspects and other countries look to us. So we really want to share the learnings that we've had in New Zealand and, uh, and just have conversations and see how we can help other people understand the downstream benefits of, of what we do in New Zealand. This, this is Talking Transport with Paul Hutton. Throughout the week on Talking Transport in Singapore, we spoke to Eric Sampson, who's been to all 26 World Congresses. So now let's chat to somebody who was at her first. Steph Barton works for WSP and won a, an internal competition with WSP to get to present a paper here at the World Congress and spend the entire week here. So we're talking on Friday at the end of the week. Steph, how's it been? Oh, it's been so fantastic, honestly. I think to have your first conference be this one is just amazing. It's been a really great week. And so was it what you expected? Yes and no, you know. So um, some of the sessions were a bit of a surprise and then I think the exhibitors have been a surprise as well. But it's quite overwhelming when you first arrive how much is going on. There's just so much to do. I I didn't even know where to begin when I first started. And how was your paper delivery? Yeah, I think it went really well. I got some a couple of good questions from the audience, so that was nice, and I think it went down well. Have you done that before? Have you uh, had to present maybe in England at all? 
Yeah, a couple of times. I've, I've presented at a connected ITS event as well. And so I've presented before, but it was... Um, it was a bit different doing it on the kind of world stage. So apart from that, obviously you've been walking around, you've been going to sessions, you've been yeah. talking to exhibitors. What have you learnt this week? Oh my gosh, so much. So um, learnt a lot about the future. Been quite to quite a few good sessions. One about um, placemaking, putting ITS in its place. Some about um, congestion, traffic management. There's so much different things going on. It's like grabbing little bits of knowledge from everywhere you go. Um, I also got my first opportunity to moderate, so I had a go at that. I've learned a little bit about how to tell people to stop talking, so that's quite good. Take some questions from the audience. What can you use that you've learned this week or discussed this week in your day-to-day work? I think one of the fab things is I've made a few connections now and there's a couple of projects that I'm working on when I get home and there's some people that I've met here that we've got connected now and we're going to be able to share some information. I've also met quite a few WSP colleagues from around the world and we're making those connections as well and they're helping me with some other project work that I've got going on. So it's, it's just the connections as well as, you know, all the knowledge that you pick up in all the different sessions. Because sometimes it is quite difficult to actually pinpoint exact value of the World Congress but you just know that that if you weren't here, you would be massively missing out. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel I'm so lucky to have been here and this opportunity just to take it and run with it as much as I can. You're staying on to actually do a couple of days in the local office? Yeah, so I'm going to spend a couple of days in the WSP Singapore office. So um, luckily they already invited us once, so I've met a few people. They invited us for our Diwali lunch. So I've met a couple of people and then I'm going to go and I've got a few meetings there while I'm here. So... Fantastic. Well, Steph, congratulations on winning the internal competition to come over here. And uh, fingers crossed, well, I mean, you know, now you've been here, you could uh, end up working for WSP anywhere in the world. Fingers crossed. Might make a difference from rainy old Manchester. So there you go. (laughs) Steph, thanks for joining me. Thank you. So that's Steph Barton of our sponsors, WSP, rounding off this bonus podcast with a personal view about why the Congress is so good. And it's a reminder to you why sending staff to events really does have many benefits benefits and is well worth the outlay. So that's it from Talking Transport Singapore podcast. As I say, you'll get other audio in bite-sized pieces over the next few days. And I'm back with one more Talking Transport podcast with some highlights from golf traffic in Dubai in a couple of weeks. Thanks again to our sponsors for Singapore, WSP, Swaco, PTV Group, Unoptic, Here Technologies, Coda Wireless and AGD Systems. It's always fun to bring these podcasts to you. So thanks for listening. Talking Transport is produced and presented by Paul Hutton for the Transport Network suite of products.